This is the Horse Radio Network. Having trouble finding the motivation to stay fit in winter? Us too. This week, we're talking to show jumper Danielle Goldstein on how to ignore cyberbullies. And the USCF finally banned Depo. But what does it all mean? Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 61 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hey. So I have a question. This has been like a kind of thing. Do you guys already have all your Christmas lights and everything up? Oh, not at all. No. No, but I have been listening to Christmas music. You have? See, I think it's too early for me. So I'd love to hear what like the listeners say, because so many people have like already got Christmas stuff up and like part of me, I'm conflicted, a hundred percent like conflicted because I am excited. We're going to my family's house for Thanksgiving. So Hudson gets to see like the Christmas lights and everything. And we're going to kind of go do some fun things. So I am excited that we are going early and we'll get to see things like that. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, it's already the holidays and it's feeling like it's creeping up really fast. I feel like you live in an area where you actually get fall colors too. Like I try to stretch fall to be as long as it can be. Yeah. You know? I love fall. Fall is probably my favorite season too. Oh, for sure. Me too, but I love Christmas. And I'm just super excited because I just bought like a really red like Santa sleigh to drive my pony around. So (laughs) I did. So it's going to be part of my like, you know, Christmas presents to my family. So I'm super excited. So I think that's like, it's just in my head since I just bought it. I still have to go pick it up, but like, I'm just, I'm ready for Christmas. (laughs) I can't. That is amazing. I know. I feel like I'm like a little bit more prepared for Christmas this year. So I've already like started looking at like gifts and everything. So for, I mean, I have no idea what I'm getting everybody, but I like sort of went and started shopping, but I didn't get anything yet. Yeah, you're ahead of the game, I feel like. I feel like I'm way ahead of the game. Normally, it's like two weeks before Christmas, and I'm like, oh, guys, we've not bought anybody anything. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Oh, crap. Yep. So, well, you guys, this episode is brought to you by Flare. We love using our Flare strips. We use them all the time on cross-country. We think that it really helps our horses cool down faster, all the benefits that we've talked about in the past. If you guys want to learn more and how you can get your own, Go to flarestrips.com. So, guys, I have a totally Santa-approved sugar cookie martini this week from Courtney (laughs) in our Facebook group. I have a total sweet tooth, so I'm totally okay with this. So, the sugar cookie martini, it's two ounces of vanilla vodka, two ounces of Bailey, two ounces of DiSerrano, and four ounces of milk. You pour it over ice in a cocktail shaker, shake it up. And then pour into a prepared martini glass. So what do you do is you rim the glass with frosting and coat it with sprinkles. And then you have a little sugar cookie on the side. That is so cute. The, uh, Courtney posted a picture in the Facebook group and it's like a really adorable Christmas party drink for sure. And I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I hate eggnog. I'm not an eggnog yeah, person. I can't so do I will. I would I do this a thousand times over eggnog, you know. I just... love eggnog. You people. <laughs> I, I can't. Oh, my gosh. Do you guys like conquito? I don't even know what that is. No. Oh, my gosh. Okay, it's like, I think it originated from, like, Puerto Rico, but it's like an eggnog, but it's spiced with, like, rum and stuff. It's really good. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to make you guys some and send it. Ugh, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm yeah. so skeptical. Same. Wow. I can't, I can't be on this podcast anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my Uh, goodness. Speaking of this podcast, if you love Ellie and you want her to stay, there's still time to (laughs) donate (laughs) to our Heels Down Greats program. Uh, We so appreciate everyone who's already donated to the show so far, like Rebecca Blake, Jennifer Lightbody, Danny Newman, Harlan Hanskins, and Jill Eckes. 
These are all names I recognize from the Facebook group. You guys start really wonderful, interesting discussions in the Facebook group that often lead to topics that we cover on the show. So if you're interested in supporting us, we have a Patreon account and we still have a PayPal link that is live on our website and we will share that information in the show notes. All right, moving on to news. We've got like some slam-packed, busy news this week. So Ellie- There's a lot that's been happening. I guess, I don't know if it's like the end of the year, people are trying to like slip in all these new things, but yeah, there's a ton of stuff going on. So Ellie, why don't we start with you? Yeah, so I have- have a rule change for our FEI specifically affecting dressage. They are going to require helmets in the beginning of 2021. So that means no more top hats. How do you guys feel about it? Well, for me, we've always been pro helmets or we being Doug really. Like I wasn't so much and I should have been with my dad and everything, but my husband, Doug, is obsessed with like safety. He's on safety committees. He's on all of this. And he just has a real passion for it. So when we first started dating, like he would harass me every day. Like, are you wearing a helmet? Like it was so annoying. It was just easier to put on a helmet. I have to tell you. So I started, I haven't worn a top hat probably since like 2011, uh, 2010, something like that. So I was part of like when you first kind of saw some of the FEI riders riding in helmets, I was definitely one of the first sort of to do it because it just safety wise and everything else. So I think honestly, it's a good thing. And I know it's very traditional to have the top hat and the look and everything, but the end of the day, the safer we can make everybody, I think it's actually a really, really good thing. Yeah, I totally agree, Jess. And this affects eventing too, right? Like all dressage phases. Okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. everything. So yep, yep, it's got to it's all, um, I think starting, is it 2021 or is it? Yeah. January yeah, 2021. Starting the first so, of- mm-hmm. Yep. So everybody has to get the helmets and I think it's, I think it's for the better of all the sports. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a long time coming, I think. And yeah. I think it'll, you know, there's some tradition lost, I guess, when you don't see the top hats, but like, come on, you got to protect your head. I feel sometimes like that's yeah. good. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Change is good sometimes. Speaking of change, I have another big change. So the FEI just announced where the world championships and everything is going to go, like the host cities. And they're actually splitting up the world champion, the WEG, what we call them, is actually going to be different from like at Tryon, the World Equestrian Games were, had every every discipline in one venue. This time they felt that they couldn't get that accomplished, so they actually have split it up. So in 2022, the jumping dressage, para-dressage, and vaulting are actually going to be held in Denmark in August. And then, um, and that's that venue has actually held some stuff in the past, so that's why they're like, look, we like this. Both of the venues have actually proven to have FEI great events before. So then... The next month in September of 2022, sorry, 2022 in September, um, eventing and driving go to Italy and they go just south of Rome to this like beautiful venue, just, um, they say just south of Rome that they've hosted the world equestrian games in 98 and they've done several driving championships there. So it's going to be interesting that, and kind of sad that not all the venue, not the one venue will hold all the disciplines anymore. It is. I mean, that's the end of WEG as we know it, you know, Um, it's a, I understand that it, you know, especially with what, you know, the sort of the switcheroo that happened with Tryon and Tryon only had, you know, what, 18 months to get it together. Something crazy. Yeah. When another venue had to back out that this is a massive event and it's really hard to find a venue that can host such, you know, all the disciplines, but it is, it's really sad to see that it's not all going to be together anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, I do get it because now they're going to established venues where they've actually hosted FEI events, had that disciplines there so that they're actually more prepared and, and you're not putting in the money and the infrastructures that you, you know, don't really need. So I think it will be interesting, but did you guys notice I didn't mention reigning and endurance because they're actually voting 
this week to kind of see what the changes will be, whether they're going to be at WAG or something. I don't really know what the vote is for, but they said in press release that they're actually waiting to see where they're going to go. They postponed the announcement to see once the discussions are happening about them. So that will be kind of stay tuned on where those two will be. Interesting. Yeah. And Justine, you have something pretty controversial as well. So what's happening with you? Yeah, I'm sure, you know, so Depo, which is something we've talked about in the show before, uh, which people, which is a basically a hormone that people use in mares, but some horse owners use it in geldings for a calming effect. It's been sort of a controversial conversation the last few years, I'd say, Jess, because I feel like you and I and Caroline talked about Depo like back at the beginning of the podcast almost. Well, the USCF has finally decided to prohibit the use of it in horses competing at USCF sanctioned competitions beginning December 1st. So speaking of back in the day in the podcast, the USCF first really had a, like a serious discussion about this in early 2017. They had a panel of industry experts get together to, to review the drug and its use in horses. They had a town hall meeting to gather more feedback from vets and from USCF members. And from there, so the, the USCF has really done their due diligence on, on deciding whether or not long-term use of depo in, you know, in competition horses, is it safe or not? Which I think is, I think is smart. I've seen a lot of reaction, you know, since this happened right before the USCF released this information. I, I'm sure you guys saw the Chronicle of the Horse put out a really interesting article looking at um, some of the side effects of Depo, uh, which includes like horses just like dying suddenly. Did you read that story? I did. It's it horrifying. Was, it's scary. It is. And, you know, those, you know, those instances are a very small population of, you know, horses that are on depot, but still it is a risk. It, I, you know, I think all of, all of this information together obviously has led the USCF to come up with this decision. But since this has been announced, you know, I've seen a lot of chatter on Facebook and on other places of, you know, people who use depot safely and have used it for many years, you know, they're obviously concerned on what can they use now in exchange of depot what can they use that will be you know will still have a calming effect will still be legal but will um you know maybe make the horse safe for an amateur rider i'm not sure i think i think this opens the door to a bigger conversation of you know horses in general right absolutely but what do you guys think what have you what have you heard the reaction to this i've heard i just have like through facebook and everything else we don't use depot so it kind of really didn't relate to us at all, but I've heard a lot of people that just don't understand, you know, cause it was a very small percentage of the tested ones that actually had the side effects and everything else. So everybody right. is kind of just mad that, you know, they're pulling it completely and banning it. And it's such a short period, you know, they are banning it December. And then you have, I think some leeway before, you know, the testing, because it does take quite a long time to get out of the horse's systems, but you know, for the basic testing, you have to stop using it as of December 1st. So I think it was kind of just, just shock for everybody that they're like, okay, now we have to, it's something that they use as like a crutch and they ended up using it all the time. So then now they're like, well, what do we do? How do we show our horses? So it was more people that I saw kind of panicking going, uh Oh, like, what do I do now? And so it was a, you know, you had like a month to figure it out if you're going to a show in the next couple months. Right. Yeah, I definitely saw the same reaction as Jess, especially with people who, like, I grew up at a barn where it was pretty acceptable, you know, if your horse was bad at all, oh, just give a depot when the vet comes out next, you know, it's just like every three months. And I think it'll affect a lot of smaller circuits, too, because that's definitely, you know, a, a crutch in that regard, too. Right. And I think it's very discipline specific. You know, it's just, you know, I, I feel like it's more rampant in hunter jumper shows. Right. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it, I feel like every individual case is different. So I'd hate to judge, you know, people, one person on why they choose to give their horse depot, but Hey, the USCF made a decision. This is what it is. So no more depot. Yeah. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So in an early episode on the podcast, we talked about the Tempo Equestrian Morana Riding Pant from Greenhawk, uh, and we love these winter riding breeches. They offer extra warmth without too much added bulk, 
And you can get a pair of your own at Greenhawk by going to greenhawk.com. So this week, we are reviewing the spiced equestrian phone cases for you guys. You guys got these too, right? They are so cool. They're really cool. They're adorable. It's super cute. I keep getting all, all kinds of compliments on mine. I just like that they fit really well because I always get concerned when you buy a phone case that it's going to like fall off. I drop my phone all the time. I have to have a glass like tempered screen protector on it because I have to replace that like at least once a month. So I'm always concerned that they're not going to go around the corners and stuff. But I have to say this is probably one of the best fitting cases. Like it really is like sleek, but it goes around the edges so well, like it's almost hard to get back off in a good way. Yeah, and I thought, like, too, the case feels so nice. Like, I don't yeah. know. They call it a soft touch, but it's, like, it feels like, I don't know. I'm a really tactile person, so I just really like touching it. I'm like, yeah. this is nice, you know? Probably not good for me to still have my phone, like, just touching it. But anyway, they, <laughs> I got the pretty, like, braided, um, like, rain design. What, did you guys get cute designs, too? Yeah, I got one that's like, you know, same. It's it's like got pink and like a little, it's, it's really, really pretty with like, um, it looks like a rain on it, like a braided hunter rain. And so it's it's really pretty, but they have so many cool designs. Well, they have a ton. Yeah. So I had a hard time like figuring out which one I wanted. So the one I got is, it's called Summer Vibes and it's got like a horse on it with a helmet and... And the sunglasses and sunglasses and a pineapple. It's very Florida. So it feels very much my (laughs) style, but yeah. So spiced equestrian, they have all kinds of really fun, like horsey accessories and they have like literally a bajillion different horse themed, uh, phone cases, but also iPhone cases. And I think we all have different side, different phones. And I agree just that like the fit was perfect. And I was worried about that too. Like I, I know I need it to fit in order for me to use it. Um, but yeah, I get compliments on it all over the, all the time, everywhere I go. Uh, like it feels unique, you know, it's not like something you're going to find, you know, at any other store around here. So, but if you go to their website, which is spiced, S-P-I-C-E-D dot C-A, they have a, like a bunch of super cute things like like these adorable, soft looking scrunchies, like hair scrunchies. They've got some clothing. They've got some cute throw pillows. It's really like it's like it seems like a great little gifty place to shop. Yeah, these phone cases, too, are relatively inexpensive, right? They're twenty six ninety nine and under. And I think they'll make great stocking stuffers. Oh, totally. For like even your trainer or your barn friends. Absolutely. It's really cute. All right, guys, we're really excited to have a super special guest on the show this week. Danielle Goldstein is a Grand Prix show jumper, and she will be competing for Israel in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics next year. She's based in the Netherlands, but also spent some time over here in the States and has a farm in Wellington. Hi, Danielle. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh my goodness. Thanks so much for joining us. So um, we've read about you in Heels Down Mag, and I just got to say, I'm personally a big fan of your style and everything you do. I love following you on Instagram. <laughs> and I, so we wanted to talk a little bit more about, you know, you, you put out such a really positive message on your Instagram with your, you know, your face-to-face videos just about overcoming challenges. I feel like you're very honest and open about who you are, which is just really cool to see as someone, you know, at the top level of the sport. But I know you've, like the rest of us, I'm sure you've dealt with your fair share of online bullies. And I just wondered if we could start there. Like, I remember uh, when your feathers and your hair, which are so freaking cool, made, you know, some people, whatever, they're not into feathers, but I, I just wanted to to start our conversation there on how do you handle that kind of cri- criticism? You know, people always have something to say on the internet, right? Oh, but boy, do they have a lot to say. <laughs> um, you know, how do I handle that criticism? One is usually when it's so crazy, I laugh because uh, when somebody tells me I'm ruining the sport of show jumping or, you know, I had someone not long ago tell me that I was insulting my horse. So because of the feathers and I thought, how do you not laugh at that? I mean, that, those, what? Are, those are crazy statements. So, you know, some of it you got to laugh off, but honestly, 
you know, even my husband will say, I'll sort of laugh at it and then I'll reflect, you know, a couple hours later and I'll mention it and I'll sort of say like, ugh, why do people have to go after me? And like, you know, in the end, none of it's nice. You know, we don't like, nobody likes that. Nobody likes to get criticized. But for me, the best way to handle it is to actually truly ignore them and just say, you know what? I think I look cool. I like it. I think the feathers are beautiful. And I say, screw the rest of them. And, uh, you know, you got to sort of, turn a blind eye to it at some point. If you just let it consume you, it'll drive you insane. And I'm not one to sit around and dwell and be depressed. Like I really am, you know, pretty much oblivious to most of that stuff. So when I see it and hear it, I think, oh God, stupid, silly people, narrow-minded, you know, and I, I try to just forge my own path and ignore them and, and feel good about myself. So speaking of that, how do you like how do you find your own vibe in this sport that has so many rules, right? Everyone wears breeches and tall boots and a jacket, but like you still you rock the feathers. I love your lace coat that you show in. I think that is so cool. I've never seen anybody else wear anything like that. So how do you how do you find your own vibe? Um, you know, funny people ask me that and I don't feel like I'm trying to find my own vibe. For me, I'm just trying to be me. And those are the kind of things like I love exploring and experimenting with fashion outside of the horse world. So it's sort of just natural to me when I get up in the morning and I go to get dressed for riding or for competing. It's more just like, all right, what do I, what do I think I look good in? What, you know, what do I feel sexy in? What do I think is flattering? What is functional? You know, those kind of things. It's not so much about going out and trying to separate myself from everyone. It's much more just trying to be true to who I am. And I love playing with fashion and experimenting. And so I think it just comes from that place of, again, just trying to be me. And, uh, you know, everyone takes it as, oh, what a unique vibe. And for me, I I'm not like trying to be special. I'm just trying to be me. Well, yeah, because if anybody follow, I love following you on Instagram, by the way, it's <laughs> awesome. And you had some of the most gorgeous wedding pictures, like oh. unbelievable, but your outfits and your change and everything else, like you really do try to, for listeners that don't, like you try to bring it in and then you kind of see it within your riding and you're just so passionate about it. And I think you can kind of see that where it's like, look, it's not about, I'm going to make this statement. It's really just who you are and I don't know you at all. So it's kind of what you can kind of see, try to bring out that it's really just you being you, not just trying to be this new, you know, Oh, let me yeah. be something different. It's really just, it seems real genuine if you can see it like that. Well, thank you. I think it, so. for me, it really is, you know, I never started any of this to try and be something, you know, to stand out. For me, it was always just, I don't know, this is, I'm quirky. I'm weird. <laughs> I was just doing me. I'm going to embrace it. And I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> totally. totally. So well, I'm like you. Yep. Oh, go ahead, Ellie. Well, I really love your inspirational videos. You know, like how would you recommend all of us to kind of be role models for younger riders? You know, a lot of the inspirational things come from like, like you said a bit, my struggles and it's more just, I think that it's so important to be honest with yourself and a little bit sort of own your mistakes and own sort of the, the difficulties. So I sort of like to share that because I like one, I think everyone likes to not feel alone. So it's nice to get feedback and hear that I'm not the only one that struggles with things. Um, from a selfish perspective, I, I like that. And also I think it's inspire People don't want to think that you know, you don't want to look up to somebody and think that they're so unattainable and so perfect. And I want everyone to know that I, I'm nowhere near any of those things. And everything I do is very attainable. You know, I, I work hard every day with the riding to improve myself and improve the horses. So I think that's such a nice thing to share. And I guess maybe that's sort of what I would say is if you want to encourage younger generations of riders, you know, be honest about the hard parts, because let me tell you, riding horses, it's 90% hard. The 10% is that very small amount of success that you get after all the days and days and months of hard work. So, you know, I think sharing that hard work makes it easier for people to take the, the bad days and get to the good days. Yeah. It makes I really you fight like for the good days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you could change one thing about our crazy sport, what would it be? 
It's not the easiest question. Um, <laughs> ah, stumped you. <ya. laughs> yeah. I think if I could change something, it would be uh, that we get away from the the tradition that's sort of not sporty. Like for me, I do this because it's a sport, and I'm a competitive person, and I don't like so many of the traditions that that are maybe rooted in some of the historical things with horses, but that lack sort of that sporting nature. And I wish that sometimes things were a bit more sporty. So I think that's a little bit also where the things that I do come from. And then we're super excited to see you on, you know, the international scale and having so much success and just talking a little bit going forward, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is Israel's first time to go to the Olympics with a team, correct? Absolutely. Hey, you guys must be so pumped and excited. And yeah. you guys have such a good group like of superstars that are, you know, up and coming to established riders, but like it's a really good group of you guys, it seems that like yeah, you know, amazing. we get to see we're pretty lucky that I get to see a lot of you guys at try on and everything else. So yeah. my husband rides as well. So like we get to see it. But it's what do you have kind of in topics of that? How excited are you and you know, looking forward to that and trying to get all your ducks in a row so everything's good. Yeah, I mean, we are absolutely thrilled. I mean, to qualify, you know, we sort of had a mission as a team, you know, the few riders that got together to sort of build this team from the start, which even started 10 years ago. Yeah. But, you know, we we got together at the beginning of the year and we said, look, qualifying for Tokyo it has to be our number one priority. And then we went to Moscow and the first round of the Nations Cup didn't go so well and we were all feeling a bit down. And then for us to pull together and jump those three clear rounds, the last round and qualify it. I mean, it's an amazing feeling to pull together a team, not only that we've been building for a long time, but then to describe how we're feeling about going to Tokyo is amazing. I mean, we're so excited, not only to represent Israel because we feel like it needs that great representation, but also because this is lifelong goals and dreams for all of us. Yeah, it's so cool. I'm really excited to watch you guys in Tokyo. Well, Danielle, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a blast to have you on the show, and I'm I'm hopeful we'll have you back again. Yeah, anytime. Thanks so and much. And everybody go follow her on Instagram, because it is truly, it is awesome to follow you. So <laughs> everybody you. go give her a shout out. <laughs> thanks. This segment is brought to you by HiloFit. Monitoring heart rate gives horse owners more peace of mind. Find out why with HiloFit. Learn more at HiloFit, which is H-Y-L-O-F-I-T dot com. So we're all getting into the holiday season and the cold weather comes with that. And I just had a couple topics I wanted to talk to you guys about that, how we, Justine and I are very fortunate we're in the South. And so we are around, we don't really have to talk about how to keep ourselves fit in the indoors and like get different exercises because there's, you can't ride outside, but I'd love to know how you guys kind of keep your horses and yourself cardio fit in the winter months. So, cause I know a lot of people don't always come South or they come for just a couple weeks and they have to keep their horses going because once the show season starts up, come, you know, if they, even if they don't go South, their show season will start kind of April-ish. So they have to have their horses ready to go. So what do you do, Ellie, about keeping yourself and the horses fit in the indoor without, you know, or do you ride them outside? Cause a lot of people in Canada and stuff, ride them outside in the snow. So what do you do? Well, I, I do enjoy riding in the snow. It's actually kind of like, you know, hill work almost because it really makes them use their hind end but I usually don't do that unless we have at least you know like eight inches and I really I don't personally enjoy that because I don't like the cold <laughs> um but I'm lucky I have a little indoor it's about like 60 by 120 so it's nothing nothing to scoff at but it's nothing you know that to really set up really large courses and stuff um so what I really try to do is a lot of interval training um so you know if I trot once around the outside then I'll walk three times around and work on things like leg yields and turn on the haunches turn on the forehand and just really getting my horse supple in that way but the biggest thing I think is just the intervals because you know just like us if we go for a run and the air is so thin and so dry you know we're going to get out of breath a lot quicker than we would you know during the summer 
so that's definitely a huge thing. And in terms for me personally, I do a lot of stairs in my house. <laughs> you know, I'll just like, you know, if there's a commercial on the TV or something, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go up and down the stairs as many times as I can before the TV show comes back on. And well, that's a just, good idea. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, little things to like keep me moving. Cause it, it is hard when it's cold to not want to just bundle up. And I mean, we have a wood stove. So when that's oh. on, all I want to do is sleep in front of it. I with wouldn't the dog. move. I yeah. would be there. Yeah. It's hard. So definitely that kind of stuff. And I also like to kind of do some groundwork with the horses too, when it's really cold. I, I make it a rule not to ride if it's below 20 degrees. Partially Justine, just, Justine just fainted. I don't even <laughs> want to know what that's like ever in my life. 20 degrees. Justine's like, I'm making a rule not to ride at 40. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually going to be 40 this week. So it's nice and balmy Gosh. up here. <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah. So the way I think about it is if I'm wearing my, my Carhartt bibs, I don't want to have to take them off to ride. And I'm sure they don't want to not have a blanket on, you know. So in that case, you know, doing some groundwork and kind of walking them and just even jogging them a little in hand and stuff. That way we're both staying cardioactive, I guess. I want to make that a new thing. Cardioactive. It's like radioactive. <laughs> yeah, because so. when we, we were in Jersey maybe just one winter enough. Like, and when I say winter, it was through till January 1st, but we had to ride in the end. Oh, I'm the first day it started to snow. I was like, I grew up in the South and I grew up like, if it starts snowing, you go to the grocery store really quickly because no one can drive. There's no salt on the road. So like, I was like, I got to finish my horses. I have to go to the grocery store. And Doug looked at me like I had five heads and he's like, why are you panicking? And I, he's like, all the roads are salted. Like you're completely fine. And I was like, I just don't know. I don't want to wreck. And he's like, you have four wheel drive first off. Like you're totally <laughs> fine. But I had like a, a panic moment because that winter, it was only like, like I said, four to six weeks and it wasn't even winter. I never really saw real snow probably, but we did. Yeah. A lot of stuff in the indoor and Thankfully, like our horses weren't really like needing to gallop and all that. But I just remember like the arena, you didn't have enough snow like Ellie was talking about to actually ride outside because it was just that sheet of ice almost. So we couldn't really ride. We just had to ride in the indoor. But doing a lot of kind of just interval training was that or we did a lot of flat work and then just walk on the roads. So it wasn't, you know, because it wasn't icy and they were all salted. So we did a lot of road work kind of walking. Did you, do you do that at all? Or that's not really possible, Ellie? I try to do some of it. Usually, I mean, in Pennsylvania, we don't use salt. We use like ash. So I don't know where they get it from. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I guess it's better on the cars, but my road is not paved or anything. So a lot of the times, even if there's ash down, it's, it's not really very safe. Not working. (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely just try to you know, but I've got a big driveway and stuff. So I try to walk them around my property and stuff. And when the ground freezes, um, which, you know, has happened already, um, it's kind of like walking on the road. (laughs) So, so you can go ahead and ride on that and everything. Yeah. I don't really ever do more than a walk on it, but yeah. So yeah, because I mean, we do a lot of walking our horses as fitness because we find, like our big horses right before any big competition, they're walking like an hour and a half on top of like 30, 45 minutes of riding. So they do really? a lot wow. of, yeah, we keep, we find that like the walking actually helps with their fitness the most. So they'll do their normal works, but like our big horses walk all the time and um, we don't have a walker or anything like this. So like, you know, you're talking to the people that walk them. So we basically go and we try to like have them um, a lot of times, if it's possible, we have like the kids all get on. So like it's one big group, take them for a walk. So sometimes it's an afternoon or whatever, but we find walking really does keep them so fit and so just in shape on top of it that we don't do a lot of trot sets and everything else like that. We do a ton of walking on top of our stuff. So yeah, anytime you can find somewhere to walk the horses, I would think that that would be a huge kind of fitness thing. Oh yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And even in the indoor, you know, you can set up like walk poles and stuff like the, and work on backing up. And I, I like to do a lot of like, you know, stupid like trail stuff in the winter. That's kind of. We try, we try to get them out to walk so that they're not bored in their like arena or whatever else. So even like if you find somewhere like for our listeners and everything that if you can find something where you can walk, like even if the roads are safe or whatever else, just take them for a walk so that they can keep their exercise that way. 
because that would be huge. Cause that's what we just take them out, you know, 45 minutes on minimum, just take them on a long walk. That'll be good for them. It's interesting because obviously I'm not in a place where it gets super cold, but the trainer I'm working with really wants me to up my horse's fitness because he's enormous. So he can do the height, no problem, but he just, you know, he goes around twice and is like pretty tired. So she has us doing a lot of trot sets for like 20 minutes at a time, like me in a half seat position and just like trotting. And then, which I have noticed a difference in how it helps him over time. And then she also has me working in a little bit of like a sort of like a Pessoa rig, like lunging him for a short period of time to try to like make him sit on his hind end and kind of build up strength in his stifles, you know? So those would be my suggestions, I guess, if there's some things you can do on a lunge line to help with that too. But obviously that's not going to help you with rider fitness. I will tell you trotting my horse in a half seat, like in a two point position for 20 minutes is like killer. I feel like I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) So it's that time. Rose and Thorn. Is anybody ready? Yes. I think you can go. Yes. You should go. (laughs) Okay, so my rose I kind of already hinted at, but I bought this sleigh, and I'm super excited about it. Um, I'm hoping that we get enough snow, and like, because you don't want to drive a sleigh when you have a lot of snow. You want, like, a good amount of snow. So I'm hoping for, like, four inches so that I can drive my pony around. I want to buy some sleigh bells. This is going to be legit. So once I I get it all suited up, I'm going to, I'll post it on the Facebook lounge. So I was going to say, I have to see a picture of it. So. Oh, yeah. And if I get the sleigh bells, there will be a video, I'm sure. Because I might dress up like Santa. We'll see. Oh, um, my gosh. <laughs> so, we'll see. I mean, and I don't I don't have any neighbors, really. So, it, it's just me dressing up for myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my thorn is that with the cold weather, my hands are so dry and, like, cracking on, like, the back's which sucks. It happens every year. And I've tried every lotion known to man. So if any of our listeners know of any good treatments, that would be grateful because my hands will bleed and stuff. Like, do you guys ever, I mean, it's probably never that dry and cold where you guys are, but. I mean, I keep Kiehl's hand lotion in my purse because it's amazing. You can probably buy it online, but they have, they're, they're, they're like in most malls. Kiehl's is the brand. Yeah, I've used peels and stuff. And then the Rodanids fields like that I like I'm obsessed with. It's got a body lotion that has a hydration serum in it. And I live by it because my hands, especially like by my fingernails, like get so gross and like cracking. And this is like they just came out with it last year. And it's the first time that I'm like, oh, my hands aren't like crusty and drying and cracking. So that's been a lifesaver for me. I'll have to Ooh. contact you yeah. about it, Jen. Yeah, just call. Yeah, I'll send you some. All right. So, Justine, what do you have? My rose would be that I went to a horse show over the weekend. And remember the Airbnb I was telling you guys about? It ended oh, did up it being, work? It was adorable. It was perfect. It was so cozy and, and super nice um, that, like... Everyone from my barn wanted to come and see it because it was so close to the barn, but I wouldn't let them because I don't want them to steal it from me for the next horse show we go there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm um, obsessed with Airbnb. It is amazing. It is. so much better. And that's why you're talking about somebody stealing it. I went to book my Airbnb for Rolex or Kentucky Land Rover this year, and somebody already booked it. So I know. Sad to keep it a secret. Seriously, don't tell anybody. I'm going to try. And the the people who own the farm, you know, and this had this little cottage where we stayed, they were like the sweetest, nicest people that, you know, they made the whole experience so easy. Ugh. And it just made it, I just felt much better for my poor husband who, you know, comes to the horse shows with me. Like he had like a place to go chill and relax and it had to be yeah. the horse show 24 seven, you know, and we didn't have That's a long drive so home. Nice. And, yeah, it was awesome. So now this is like my new thing. I'm going to look for Airbnbs for every horse show. <laughs> so. They're great. Uh, we live by them. I Literally, that's the first thing I search. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my rose is that the Airbnb worked out and I wasn't murdered. That I wasn't murdered. <laughs> hey, so. that's a serious concern sometimes. Yeah. Especially Airbnbs by where I live. I'd be afraid. 
Right. And this was fairly (laughs) remote too. Like there wasn't a whole lot going on. So, um, so, um, my thorn is, is that, um, is it's already freaking Thanksgiving and we host Thanksgiving at our house and I, my husband loves it because he cooks, which is great because I don't cook, but I hate it just because it means I have to clean this freaking house. So that is my thorn is, you know, there's so much lead up to work for the holidays and I'm not looking forward to like the work required of me to be ready for Thanksgiving. So oh my gosh, <laughs> it sounds like you'll need a few sugar cookie martinis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For that sure. makes housework better. <laughs> Well, just so for me, my thorn, I'm going to go off my thorn and we'll end on my rose. My thorn is that now apparently I'm old, I have to tell you. So once you hit 35 and you're going to be pregnant, you're at the advanced maternal age, I guess is what they call it. And yes, because I'm old apparently at 35. So, and I just, I didn't know how it was going to work because I turned 35 just a couple weeks ago. And so I'm just giving, it's whatever you're giving birth at. So since I'm due January 7th, I'm 35 when I'm due with uh, the little girl that we're having. So basically long story short, I have to go to the doctor every week, every week I have to go. I feel great, everything, but they have to check and make sure. So the last week I went and they like lost my paperwork and I was in the doctor's office for three hours waiting on an ultrasound that took five minutes to say, yep, the baby's healthy. She's moving around. Everything's good. So I I had to go up. Wow. So you have to go. My my thorn is that every week I have to go through this. So like at 30 weeks or something like that, I don't even remember when it started, but I had to go now it's now until so I went ahead and made every one of my appointments because we're like so busy and everything. I was like, well, here, I'm standing here, I'm putting it in my calendar. Tell me every week what day I'm coming so that I can plan this out because this is a lot. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so even with, you know, everything's healthy and happy right now, I get to go check in with the doctors every week. So that is my thorn. And then my rose is... Unlike Justine, who is sad that her family's coming for Thanksgiving. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am excited that my rose is. We are going to Nashville next week for Thanksgiving, and we are spending it with my family. And my brother and his girlfriend are flying in from California. So my whole family is going to be there. And Hudson gets to play with his little cousin and everybody. So we're super excited. Aww. Aww. Yeah. So that is my thorn. See, I feel like it's different when you have kids. The holidays are a little different, right? Don't you feel like uh, it changed for you? No, I think I'd still be really excited to like go hang. I mean, it's it's just different now. Like my brother's going to the Predators game and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's at night. That sounds like I might want to sleep instead. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's changed in the sense of like, I don't want to go party with my family till midnight every night that it's like. I'll hang out with them during the day and then go to sleep earlier. So I think that's the only thing that's really changed with the kids is I think I'm tired more now. I just think I'm a hermit because I don't want to drive anywhere to visit anyone. And I don't really want anyone coming here because then I have to clean. (laughs) So you're both ways. Yeah. Just, you know, stop by. Don't come in the house. (laughs) So just wave, just drive by and wave. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So this week we have an interesting question from the mailbag. Jess in our Facebook group who posted, and she's awesome. She posts all the time. So she has a question. How do you sell a challenging horse? Many of you will remember her horse was a bit of a challenge. It was rearing and kind of a little naughty. And now she wants, she's like got it under control, but she wants to sell it. But it requires like an either confident, strong rider or five to six days a week. And she's just not sure she can do that with her lifestyle. So she's been honest with everybody that she's reached out to because she wants them to have a great home. But she just feels like finding the right buyer is going to be a huge challenge. So what advice do we kind of have for her? So this is a great question. And I, and I like that it's it sort of caps off like all of the like Jess's whole experience with this horse. Cause I remember when she first posted in the Facebook group about how she was struggling with him when he started the rearing issue. And it's really interesting to see how hard she's worked to, 
to work past that. I had a horse that reared and I, you know, I worked with him for a long time, but at the end of the day, and he was a nice, like very fancy bred Hanoverian. I gave him away. So, and I, I just knew that I, I mean, I gave him, I made sure he was going to a home that was equipped to handle him and take care of him. And he, he ended up going to a wonderful home, but I just, I just knew whoever paid money for that horse. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't, he had so much, so many issues that I just, it wasn't worth selling him to for a specific price. And I had listed him for a while for sale and people showed up and came to try to ride him. And there were a couple of people who I just said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you on the horse because I didn't feel safe with them even beginning to get on the horse. You know what I mean? So I just, for me, I gave him away. Um, to a place that I knew would take care of him. It was like a connection, a former trainer that I grew up with knew. So I think you got to weigh that, right? Like, is the horse going to be dangerous for somebody else? Is he going to, you know, I don't know. Do you guys have another, anything else to add? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we do. Cause a lot of times, like if they are not the right suitable fit, like we've been good that we're like, look, send them to a cowboy, see if they can fix it or whatever. And we just aren't the ones that end up selling him. And then it goes, you know, like, it's just something that we're like, look, we don't want to represent this because that's the hardest thing is we don't want to put our name on something that is not safe and it ends up in the wrong hands and, you know, does something that we, you know, saw that like, it is a problem. So for us, yeah, the few that we've had, we've actually same thing. We've donated them or we've, um, like given them to just different homes and said, Hey, look, like one was a really bad bucker. And we just told the clients, like the owners of the horse, look, there is a rider in our barn that gets along with it. She knows all about him, everything. And so, cause selling it, yes, you can describe to everybody that it's actually that bad. But for us, I just feel so bad that I couldn't represent it saying, okay, look, yes, it does buck, but people don't know the extent because, you know, there's good days and bad days. And that's the hardest thing is to bring out the bad days when that person's there to know that they're dealing with that extreme of the problem. So I think when, if it's a little problem or whatever, not a big deal, you explain it to people, but the ones that we've had that were big buckers or, you know, thankfully we haven't had one that really rears or anything lately, but we, yeah, we ended up convincing the owner to donate it to or not donate it, but gave it to one of the girls that rode for us that had ridden him several times. And, you know, in one of the times he bucked her off and, you know, but she loves him and it takes care of him and knows hundred percent where it, where it is and what he is. And then he jumped through the one thirties. Like he was a really nice horse, but it just wasn't marketable kind of thing. Well, and, and so just for background, like we know Jess has tried everything with this horse. She's made sure that it's not pain related, that there's not a medical issue. Um, she's kind of gone down all, you know, checked all the boxes on the checklist of could it be saddle fit? Could it be whatever? So this horse just has a behavioral issue. And I, I think I think that's what's important for people yeah. to know when you're trying to sell the horse. Like, hey, here's all the medical records. We did everything we can for him. He's still doing this, this, and this, and, and maybe he just needs to go to a trainer who's willing to, you know, put six months into him and see what he looks like after that. Yeah. I I mean, Ellie, as someone who breaks horses, who trains horses for clients, what do you, what's your opinion on this situation? As someone who sometimes gets issues like this, it's hard to go about it because you really want to make sure, like you said, that it's not a pain problem. And you did, I mean, we, we've all been following Jess, so we know that. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions in the horse industry on, like, whether or not you're going to be telling the truth. So you could give them all the medical records and they'll be like, uh, well, did you try this? Or is it ulcers? You know, mm-hmm. like, we, we, we've talked about those people on the internet, you know. So I would kind of recommend, like, I mean, I don't know where Jess has the horse, but if there's other people there that she could have, you know, ride him safely or efficiently, that would probably be helpful because they could probably explain what they feel as someone who hasn't experienced it. Does that make sense? I do know that her, her trainer was riding him and that was part of the problem where he was, he wasn't naughty for the trainer, but he was naughty for her. 
Yeah. And and I don't know if that escalated over time either. Um, so I do know he's, he's, the horse has had other rides. Um, so I don't know, you know, it's, it's kind of a tough situation as an amateur, as an adult amateur though. And as somebody who puts a lot of money into my horse, because it's what I enjoy, if it's not safe and you don't feel comfortable, I think she's making the right choice and trying to sell the horse or rehome him. And you do the best that you can do to make sure he has a soft spot to land. But I think she's got to know in her heart, right. That this isn't the horse for her. Right. And, and, and go ahead. Well, and people are always, there's like, I, I wrote an article for heels down about it. There's always different jobs for horses. Maybe he's going to be a great companion horse for someone, you mm-hmm. know, like, that's always there. People are always looking for that, you know, just a good horse that doesn't have a whole lot of issues to be a companion horse, you know, if that's the job that he will be good at and behave for, you know, maybe that's what he wants to do. Good point. Right. So maybe, maybe it sort of sucks to know, like, you're going to have to just eat all the money that you spent on the horse, but if at the end of the day, your, your concern is making sure he gets to a good home that, you know, maybe that's the solution is he's going to a home with a lighter job or maybe no job at all, except to be somebody's buddy. So whatever you do, Jess, good luck. And we hope it all ends well for you. So if you have a question for us that you'd like for us to talk about on the show, you can send us an email by going to hello at heelsdownmedia.com. And you're always welcome to join our Facebook group. Just type into the Facebook search bar, Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge, and join it. And if you want to hear more from us, you definitely should subscribe to the Heels Down Brief, our daily email news blast. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. We just want to say thank you to all of our partners this week, Flair, Hilofit, Greenhawk, and Spiced. All right, everybody. That's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.